What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Joseph Board Podcast and the JV Podcast Network. Just a quick announcement before I talk about what's going to be on this episode. I'm trying something out a little different. I'm going to go back now that The Bachelor is back. I want to revive my Bachelor recaps. I know I've been recapping them, audio version here on the podcast. That, I'm going to keep doing that, so don't worry. That's not going away. Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening, you will still have the audio of The Bachelor recaps, but I'm going to start recording them as I record the podcast as well. So not the full podcast is going to be in video version, just The Bachelor recaps, and I'm going to put those on the Joseph Four Podcast YouTube channel. I'm also going to put them on my main YouTube channel. It's just Joseph Vore. If you just search that in YouTube, you will find all the Bachelor recap videos, but you'll still be able to listen to them if you just want the audio, if you want to keep listening to it on the podcast. That'll all be there. It'll all be the same. We just have the video option now, just another way to get it out there and spread the good word of The Bachelor. And it's been incredible. Uh, I love talking about it. It's so good to have it back in my life. My Monday nights are fun again. Not to say that Monday night football isn't fun, but come on, it's not The Bachelor. So on this episode, speaking of football, I'm going to quickly talk about... My timer's going off here. My laundry's done. Um, Speaking of football, conference championship weekend was this past Sunday. We saw a couple of dominant games. Tennessee hung in there a little bit with Kansas City, but Kansas Kansas City flexed their muscles with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, what their offense can do. So we have a Kansas City and San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl here in a few weeks. Less than a few weeks now. It was two weeks from this past Sunday, so we're a little less than two weeks away from the Super Bowl and the NFL's 100th season. I'm going to talk about the conference championship games quickly, and then I'm going to give you a prediction, talk and do a little preview for the Super Bowl. So all that and then followed up by my Bachelor recaps and then I will wrap up the show. Pretty simple, straightforward, another solo show. We're just going to keep it rolling. We're just going to keep this rolling. Uh, we'll, interviews will come back soon eventually, but for right now, just me. Going to talk some football then talk some Bachelor. And don't forget to check out the Bachelor recaps on YouTube as well. Joseph Vore Podcast and Joseph Vore both going to be uh, recaps going on both of those channels. So All of that coming up right now, but first, enjoy this nice, smooth jazz. All right, let's talk some NFL football conference championship games were this past week. There were four, the final four in the NFL, and now there are two. Let's start in the AFC. That was the early game. We had the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans. Interestingly enough, you look at Kansas City's offense, Patrick Mahomes, he was the MVP last year in his second year in the league, his first year playing. Kansas City is the sexier team. Now, I know you really can't be sexy and... and um, you know, like bright, when you think Kansas City, you don't think bright lights and you don't think big offense and flashy and fancy and all that kind of stuff, but that's what they were last year, and they still have a lot of those weapons this year. So the fact that the Tennessee Titans came into this game, now they've been hot, they've been a, they've been a good story, they're the second wild card, and they're in the conference championship games after going to Foxborough, beating Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and then going into Baltimore the very next week, to face a Baltimore team that had a bye, that has Lamar, that has Lamar Jackson, 
who is the, one of the most dynamic players in the league, if not the most dynamic, most likely going to be this year's MVP. I think that's absolutely who it's going to be. They go into Baltimore, and it's not even close. Sure, Lamar put up a lot of numbers, but Tennessee was dominant. Derrick Henry, the running back, dominant. They absolutely dominated Baltimore. I can't come up with another word. There's no other way to say it other than they win in there, they took care of business, and they made the Baltimore Ravens look like they hadn't looked pretty much all year. Remember when the Ravens, their last lot, they went 14-2 in the regular season. They lost to Kansas City, and they lost to Cleveland. That Cleveland loss was bad. Week four, they lost 40-25. to It didn't look good at all. They went on to win 12 straight games from there, had a bye, and they lose to Tennessee, who was rolling. So you have Kansas City, who, by the way, interestingly enough, after they lost to Tennessee, after the Chiefs lost to Tennessee in the regular season, the Chiefs, sort of under the radar somehow, won six straight games, and they were the hottest team in football. But then you have Tennessee, who's kind of stealing the light because they're sort of the better story. The underdogs, the second wild card, Belichick and Brady knocked them out in Foxborough. The next week, league MVP, Lamar Jackson, the up-and-coming Ravens, 14-2, best team in the league, dominated. Now they're in the conference championship game with Ryan Tannehill, who didn't even start the season for the Titans and came in in relief of Mariota, not because of injury, but because of lack of production and play for Mariota. And this guy, Derrick Henry, who always seems to be falling forward, who's this big guy that no one can tackle. They're the better story. They were, they were the bigger headline going into the game, and that's hard to believe going up against Kansas City, who the week before was down, I believe, 24 nothing. At one point, they scored 41 unanswered. They ended up winning the game 51-31 to after being down 24 to nothing. I remember I was in Columbus. I was back home, coming back to Arizona for school on that Sunday, and I was leaving this mall, which is about 15 minutes from the airport. The score was 24-7. I think it was 24-7, 21-7 maybe, somewhere around in there. Then all of a sudden, I get to the airport. I get to security real quick, only maybe... About 30 minutes has passed, and it's 28 to 24 Kansas City. It turned around like nothing. It was crazy. But still, coming into this game, it was all about how are the Chiefs at home going to stop the 9-7 and Tennessee Titans. Kansas City flew under the radar into this game, and after Tennessee got off to a picture-perfect start, dominating time of possession, they were up 10 to nothing. Kansas City got hot, and they showed just what they can do. And they've showed that even in a playoff game when you're down by three scores, they can score literally 41 unanswered on you, and after being down by 20-plus, they can win by 20. That's exactly what they did to the, Tex- That's exactly what they did, the- did to the Texans the week before. And they were big time in this game. Kansas City was big time. Patrick Mahomes was big time. Throws even some of the runs, all Kansas City did after losing to Tennessee was get hot, get healthy, winning six straight. Mahomes gets better. They figured some things out, and now they're rolling into the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the late game over in the NFC. It was weird to see Green Bay when you're used to, you think Green Bay, you think them playing at Lambeau, the frozen tundra, right? 
Aaron Rodgers playoff beard. It was just weird to see them playing out in California where the weather was nice, playing in San Francisco. When you think Packers playoffs, you think a f- you think what you think about the week before. You look at the field, the, the grass is dead, it's brown, pl- Rodgers playoff beard, playoff moments. Uh, they were absolutely dominated in San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, the San Francisco quarterback, threw the ball eight times. Eight times. And they dominated. So what does that mean? It means they absolutely dominated running the ball. Kyle Shanahan's offense going up against his former boss when they were in Cleveland, Mike Pettin, his defense over there in Green Bay. This was a rematch. San Francisco dominated Green Bay earlier in the year. They did, they did the exact same thing on Sunday. And Garoppolo only had to throw the ball eight times. So San Francisco and Kansas City, the number one offense against the number one defense. We'll see who has an edge in this game. And we'll see. And San Francisco's offense, they're they're no slouches. Now, what will be interesting is you can look at the Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball eight times a few different ways. You can look at it as, well, they were just that dominant and they didn't need to throw the ball. They would have been dumb to throw the ball more than eight times. They should have just kept running it and that's what they did and it worked. So why complain about it? Who cares? Well, Jimmy Garoppolo is the number one defense. He has a very good coach in Kyle Shanahan. He's very creative in the things that they do, and they really don't have a number one receiver. They kind of have a lot of slot guys, and they get creative with with their passing attack, and obviously their running game is very good. Will Jimmy Garoppolo, in a Super Bowl on the biggest stage in football at any level, be able to win a game for San Francisco? Because more than likely... They won't be able to do what they did on the ground in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. Kansas City is a better defense. And just to do that again would be very, very tough. If Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball eight times in the Super Bowl, I don't think it's going to look like how it will Sunday, like how it did this past Sunday. But at the same time, throughout the regular season, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo win games for San Francisco. There's been games where he's had to throw the ball a lot. And he's done it very, very well. He's very capable. But also look at his situation. Like I just mentioned, number one defense, Kyle Shanahan, running game. That's not taking anything away from Garoppolo. He's done his job. He's in a great scenario, and that's why it works. That's why San Francisco is in the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't necessarily being carried. I think he's carrying plenty of his weight. But if he had to drop back and throw the ball 40, 50 times a game like Mahomes or Roethlisberger does or some of these other quarterbacks, they wouldn't be as successful. But he doesn't have to be, and that's the beauty of it. That's why football is the ultimate team game. So before we get to The Bachelor here, I like Kansas City to win this game. I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be awesome. Miami, number one defense against the number one offense. I just think Kansas City's offense is too good. And as much as I like San Francisco's offense, I just don't know if they're going to have enough. I'm not saying that they're going to get shut down. I'm not saying that they're not going to be good. I think they're going to do very well. I think they're going to move the ball. I think Garoppolo will play well. I think Shanahan will have those ready guys ready to go. And he's so good at game planning and being creative and putting guys in positions to be successful that I think San Francisco will have a good offensive game. But I just think Kansas City 
even going up against San Francisco's defense, who I know I've said this over and over again, is number one in the league. I just think Kansas City will be too much. They're hot. They're rolling right now. I'll take Mahomes over Garoppolo. I'll take Mahomes and that offense to outdo that San Francisco defense because we see it in basketball, the way the rules are in the NFL now and with how, how good some of these athletes are, especially the rules in the secondary with how physical you can get it how physical you can get with these receivers. I will take great offense over great defense in a one-game situation in this particular scenario every single time. So Kansas City over San Francisco. I'm going to look this up real quick. I don't know if there's been an opening line. I'm guessing Kansas City will be the favorites in this game. Let me take a look here. Um, Pro Bowl, I don't want that. Super Bowl. Okay, Kansas City has opened up right now at minus one. At minus one, if I think Kansas City is going to win, I'm obviously going to take Kansas City minus one. Uh, but I think this is going to be a really close game. And I don't think that line is going to shift much. Both teams get a couple weeks. Both teams are very, very good. Um, this game is going to be pretty much a pick em. And it should be. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. But in the at, at the end of the day, I'm taking Kansas City. And Mahomes is my Super Bowl MVP. So that's quick football talk. Now let's get in to the most dramatic recap of the Bachelor. All right, the most dramatic Bachelor reca- recap, week three. Reminder before I get into this, if you're listening on the Joseph Orr podcast, the audio version, this will now, just the Bachelor recap portion of these podcasts will be available on YouTube at the Joseph Orr podcast YouTube channel and my main channel, Joseph Vore. And if you're watching on YouTube, welcome. And if you don't know about my podcast, go check out the podcast. The recaps will be an audio version and some other things like that. There's interviews, sports gambling picks, all kind of good stuff on there. All right, let's focus up here. Let's talk about The Bachelor Week 3. Let's revisit my Week 2 power rankings before we get into this episode. Last week, I had at number one, Hannah Ann, Madison, then Kelly, McKenna, and on the outside looking in, Victoria P., and then Victoria F. Okay, so this episode starts out. We do a little recap here. We have Kelsey and Hannah Ann. Remember, Champagne Gate. So we get a little recap of Champagne Gate. We uh, see all that. But the main thing is we have a one-on-one date with Peter and Victoria P. They go to this boot barn place. They're checking out boots. They're getting an outfit because they're going to this place Peter likes to go. Peter loves to dance. Peter's a dancer. So they go out. They get some outfits. They're going line dancing. There's live music. It's really really cool and I'm I'm just loving this. I really love him to, and him and her together, Victoria P um, and Peter together. I just really really like them. I adore them. And personally, I mean, I'm incredibly embarrassed I left Victoria P after she was in my power rankings for her to drop out of my top 4 from week 1 to week 2 just cuz we didn't see much of her. I should have known their first impression and just the things that she's done and the connections that they've had so far that until she completely screws up, even if she does, I doubt it. She's amazing. She should not be out of my top four. So I'm embarrassed for that, but I'm getting it off my chest. But don't worry. When we go over the power rankings at the end, I won't make that same mistake again. So then they have their little one-on-one, kind of their post-time or their more formal date after all the line dancing and things like that. And Victoria P. shares some things with Peter. She's She's been around before. She's... um. She has some things from her past. She has a tough past. Her mom with addiction, she opens up. And Victoria Peters has this nurturing side that 
Peter loves and just I think everyone loves. I love it. I, I'm a big Victoria P fan, so obviously she gets the rose at the end of this. Uh, back. Meanwhile, though, back at the mansion, Hannah Ann and Kelsey, the uh, two participants in Champagne Gate, are having a bit of conversation by the pool. Remember, uh, Kelsey said some things about Hannah Ann. Hannah Ann said she felt she was being bullied. She called Kelsey a bully to Peter which obviously isn't good. Those are big accusations. She's crying over the champagne and Kelsey's just like, I don't even like champagne. I don't even like to drink champagne. It was just super dramatic. Uh, meanwhile, we cut back though. Things get a little bit better. We cut back to Victoria P and uh, uh, Peter. Like I said, she opens up. There's this beautiful nurturing, uh, nurturing side, opens up about her past, super vulnerable, passionate kiss. That'll get you a rose every single time. Great date, great moment uh, for Peter and Victoria P. Really excited to see where they go. Then back at the mansion, Alea, former pageant girl, just drunk as shit. Like she is really drunk. She's she's like, um, she's being loud. She's drunk. You know, talking about how she's a nasty girl and she wants to join the Mile High Club and just being dramatic and falling all over the place. It it was not a bit ridiculous. It was totally ridiculous. Just totally uncalled for. Um, you know, I, when she's saying some of these things, I'm like, don't you realize you're on television? Or maybe, look at it the other way, she knows that she's on television, so she's really up in her game here. I guess you could say that's a little foreshadowing So what to what happened later in this episode and to what's to be talked about later uh, in this recap. Now a group date card comes out. Demi, my girl, our girl, the queen is back. The queen of paradise, the queen from Colton season, Demi is back. She's like with this megaphone with these two chicks who are like beating, like waking everyone up. She's yelling at them to get up through this megaphone. And Demi hosts her Extreme Pillow Fight Club. And it's exactly what it sounds like. And this was great. On paper, this was great. We have Demi, we have pillow fighting violence in lingerie. But there's one problem, one big problem. Hannah Ann and Kelsey weren't a part of this. They were not on this group date card. Chris Harrison, I admire you. I would love to be in your position one day, but this was a big miss here. A big miss not to have Hannah Ann and Kelsey on this date card for a mano e mano pillow fight. This would have been Rocky, the next Rocky and Drago, Tyson Holyfield, McGregor, Mayweather, The Thriller in Manila, part two. But we missed out on it. America missed out. We want. This had to happen. This was a big miss here. Chris Harrison, you're right 99.9% .9 of the time. I think you're a genius. I think you're, you're amazing. Big miss here not to have them on this date. I know ABC has the liability and insurance to cover everything. So big miss not to have them fight to the death, uh, uh, pillow fight to the death at Ex Demi's Extreme Pillow Fight Club. Um, now they have their little uh, cocktail hour. That's the whole follow-up thing. Um, and all the girls, they're fed up with the layup. Like, they really cannot stand her. It's not just Sydney that spoke up. She was the main person that has been speaking up to Peter. But no no one can stand her in the house, really. Um, I don't like Alea. I don't have a good gut feeling about her. Uh, she won the pillow fight, so she's wearing a crown. And, of course, she's loving it. Former pageant girl. Like, she... I'm not saying all former pageant girls are like this. I know some people who have done pageants or still do pageants. They're very nice, normal, chill people. Alea, she's uh, to the max. Like, she's hardcore. Like, this is her life, and there's really no separation between the two. So, uh, so Cindy and Peter, they have a little one-on-one -on -one cocktail party. 
And remember, Sydney was just going out of layout. And now she's with Peter. And she they address it. And Sydney calls out Alea. She says that she's fake, probably not there for the right reasons, telling Peter, like, hey, be on the lookout for this. Like this, this may not may not be good. So then Alea grabs Peter, and then they talk about it. She wants to get her side of the story, and she's crying, and you know, I just don't have a good feeling about her. I'm trying to trust my gut more. And I, my gut is saying, no, Alea's not good. And I hope that's what Peter's gut is telling her. Uh, and then Sydney, she opens up. They have a good conversation. She, at the end of this, gets the rose. Ha, ha, ha. All right, let's see. What is next? The pool party. Okay, this wasn't much of a party. It was more of a Peter's like, okay, we're going to hang around the pool. I have my swim trunks on, but this, I really need to get to, to the bottom of all this Alea stuff. I need to talk to some other girls, maybe some that have things to say or maybe weren't at this group date and di didn't really participate and were in that whole situation. So he grabs Sydney. They have a good, quick talk. I like this. I'm not a huge Sydney fan, but she's middle of the road. I think she's good. She's going to stick around for a few weeks. Um, but at least I trust Sydney. I have a good gut feeling about Sydney. Now, <laughs> Now, Kelsey, she couldn't take down Hannah Ann. I don't know if anyone can take down Hannah Ann. They might have to call in the California National Guard or the Malibu Police Department or whoever. I don't think they could take down Hannah Ann. Uh, so she couldn't take down Hannah Ann, obviously. But now she's going after Alea. And now Natasha's going after Alea. Alea's down 3-0. Then it's 4-0. This was a clean sweep. This was like the, my calves over the Raptors in 2017 and 2018. Clean sweep. 4-0. Not looking good for Alea. No one's sticking up for her, and no one should. I mean, no one should. And now Alea and Sydney are talking. <laughs> she's like, Alea is talking about Sydney, and she's like, her story is not flawless. It's opinion. And opinions aren't facts. I'm like, wow. I didn't know that. That's great to hear. I'm so glad that you, uh, that you could teach me that. Alea, I did not know opinions were not facts. So thank you for clearing the air on that. Now, Peter and Madison, they're effortless. I love them together. I love Madison. I think she's super sweet, super genuine. Peter obviously loves her. She's gorgeous. They're effortless together. She's going to be kind of the Hannah G of this season, I feel like, from time to time. Remember, Colton and Hannah G, they got along really well. Colton always says, oh, she reminds me of home. You remind me of home. Um, we didn't see a ton of them, but at the same time, their relationship was really strong. Like they didn't have to be together every single moment. Didn't have to spend a ton of time together. Uh, Colton was more figuring other people out because he knew Hannah G was so good. I think we're, we might see that a lot with Madison and Peter. I think Peter's a better bachelor so far. So I think he will spend more time. I think we'll see more Madison. But they're off to a really good start. They're, they're super effortless, like I said. Now, Peter and Alea. She goes on this rambling, crying monologue. Um... It's sort of that, remember in Billy Madison, have you ever seen that movie when they do the whole like academic decathlon thing? It's one-on-one, -on -one, it's Adam Sandler and the other guy, and Adam Sandler goes on this whole stupid rambling monologue about the Industrial Revolution, and the guy who's hosting it, the mediator, the Alex Trebek of this situation, if you will, was basically just went on this whole thing and was like, in your whole time of rambling, you did not put together one coherent thought 
may God have mercy on your soul. And we are all now dumber for hearing it. Basically that, I know I'm butchering it. I don't know the exact quote, but you get the gist. It, it just wasn't good. And she said a bunch of words and she cried a lot and she didn't really say anything with it. If anything, I mean, even Peter's looking at her and he really likes Alea. He does not want to believe the other people. He doesn't want to believe this negative stuff about Alea. But now it's starting to, he's starting to turn a little bit and he responds. But when he responds, he's like, I believe you. She's like, what? Really? Really? You believe me? She is so full of shit. I mean, she is. I just, I really just cannot stand Alea. And the fact that Peter believes her or said that he believed her in this moment, um, it was just really tough for me. She's like, what? Really? You, you, you believe me? You believe me? And then it was like two to three times within that monologue, she was talking about how she wasn't a liar. She's like, I'm not a liar. I don't lie. I'm not lying. That's like the person who, who has a Ponzi scheme, who has a pyramid scheme going, and they're trying to sell you on it. And they keep saying over and over again, you know, it's not a pyramid. It's not a Ponzi scheme. It's mid-level marketing, blah, blah, blah. It's safe, whatever. We know it's a lie. We know you're not telling the truth. When you say you aren't a liar, when you say you aren't don't have a pyramid scheme and you're trying to sell me on this, we know that you're a liar. We know that you have a pyramid scheme. And then Victoria P, who breaks some news, and Peter really trusts her. They get along. I trust Victoria P. Um, she's a genuine person. She has no reason to lie. So Victoria P also did some pageant stuff. They were at Miss USA together. Victoria P says that Alea reveals this to Peter in a one-on-one -on -one situation that she said about, they knew each other for, they met each other, interacted with each other for about three hours collectively at Miss USA. And when they found out they were going to be on the show, Alea said to Victoria P, don't tell the producers that we know each other, that we have a history. And Alea, when she tries to when Peter confronts her about this, when Peter asks her about this, he tr she tries to deflect it with, you know, I just didn't want to put our risk of being on the show, knowing each other going into this and knowing we were going to be on the show in jeopardy. I just didn't want the producers to know. So I want to get kicked off and Victoria P want to get kicked off. This is obviously a lie. I think it's because Victoria P knows that she isn't that great of a person. And Alea is like, oh, yeah, maybe I wasn't the best around Victoria P and this would really come back to bite me. So she tries to deflect it. Was it too little, too late? I don't know. We'll see. And that's what we're going to talk about right now because we have the rose ceremony. There were two roses left. Peter had to leave. He went to talk to Chris Harrison to, con to consult with Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison comes in. There's two roses left. He usually doesn't do this. He only comes in. He's there at the start. He leaves. Then comes back when there's one rose left. He comes back with two roses left. And he takes one of the roses away. Him and Peter revealed in their conversation, I only need one rose. There's only one more girl I want to keep around. And the final rose went to McKenna. I was so happy. We have to keep McKenna, the lovely fashion blogger from British Columbia. We have to keep her on. Alea goes home. I was so happy. And when Peter was doing his talking head, right, before he gave this final rose away, he was talking about how He's like, I'm, an, I'm drawn to Alea. What if I let her go? What if I let my future wife go? I was like, what? You gotta be crazy, man. You got to dump her. Like she's got to go. She's so full of it. I can't stand her. Trust your gut, man. And that's what he did. 
That's what he did. But I, the one thing I didn't like about taking this rose away, even though Alea's gone, this totally messed up my bachelor bracket. I've gone with my friends, Victoria, Kat, and Lexi. Shout out, what's up if you're watching. Um, we didn't account for this, so we missed at least one because a rose was taken away, and we weren't made aware of that. So whatever, I'll get over it because Alea's gone. I'm happy about that. So before I wrap this up, let's go over the power rankings after this episode. My number one, Hannah Ann has been taken down out of that number one spot. I like Madison. At number two, told you I wouldn't make the same mistake again. Victoria P at number two. We have Madison, Victoria P. Number three, Hannah Ann. She drops from one to three. And number four, we have Kelly, the lawyer, um, the one that has known Peter, has, has a past with Peter. Um, they've known each other coming into this. Number five, Victoria F. And number six, McKenna. I just like McKenna. I know she got the final rose, but... I like McKenna, and I like her at number six. But those are my top four. Madison, Victoria P., Hannah Ann, and Kelly with Victoria P., uh, Victoria F. and McKenna on the outside looking in. Thank you guys so much for watching. This has been week three, episode three of the Most Dramatic Bachelor Recap. All right, so thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you may be listening. Please rate five stars, leave a friendly review, subscribe, and turn those notifications on so you never miss an episode. Don't know when interviews are going to be back. Probably going to be doing some more solo episodes. So look for them to come out Tuesday when uh, after Monday Night Bachelors because we're going to be recapping all season long. And then remember, I know this is the third time I've said it, but I want to keep reminding you guys Joseph Vor and the Joseph Vor podcast, both on YouTube. Subscribe, check those out because the video version of my Bachelor recaps will be on both of those channels and going up every every uh, Tuesday along with the podcast. Thank you guys so much again for listening, and I will talk to you guys next Tuesday.